It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Purple Podcast. Well, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here and joining me, former NFL quarterback, Purple Podcast co-host, journeyman quarterback reporter, Sage Rosenfels. Hi, Sage. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice to be back on the Purple Podcast. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We haven't done it like this style in quite some time. We've usually had you on the air recently, but I thought, you know, we should take a little bit of time to do something fun, to do something a little bit different since the hot takes of Vikings free agency season have kind of cooled off for now and we're waiting for draft season. So... Let's talk a little bit about the draft, and I wanted to focus on your area of expertise here um, on these quarterbacks that are the most likely to be at the top. So what I did was sent you a bunch of clips and cut-ups from YouTube of these different quarterbacks, and we're going to go one by one, breaking them down, not only giving you a look at just some of the um, skills that these different guys have, but also how you just analyze a college quarterback. So... Sage, let's start right out with uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. I, I was watching one video breakdown that compared him to Kirk Cousins in the way that he's not super mobile but has a good arm and, and is accurate down the field. Where do you want to start with Dwayne Haskins? Well, you know, let's just start off by saying he's not what Stephen A. Smith said, <laughs> which is a running quarterback. Correct. Uh, he is. He can run a little bit, as as all these guys can. You know, they're all usually pretty good athletes. But he's a pocket passer. You know, he's uh, sort of a big, strong guy, and he's got a pretty good arm, and and throws from the pocket, and not a big playmaker uh, type of guy. And my my issue always with uh, drafting quarterbacks that are on great teams, like in Ohio State, who probably every game that year they played last year had more talent than the and their opponent is is that one is that fact that they're playing with more talent. They're playing with probably a better offensive line and better receivers, and, and so obviously they'll always look good. So when I watch the film on Dwayne Haskins, uh, he makes a lot of really good throws. He also missed some pretty easy throws in the game uh, that I saw, and, and he also uh, holds the ball a lot. And you saw that a lot with these quarterbacks, but. It's amazing the difference between the NFL and the college game of how much these quarterbacks hold the ball. And Dwayne Haskins held, held the ball for a pretty long time against the Maryland Terrapins, uh, you know, this past season. It was a very good football game, 
uh, I, I believe it went overtime uh, as I was watching it. But uh, it, yeah, he he holds the ball a lot, and uh, he made the the plays we needed to make them. They they threw the ball on fourth down a couple times, and he, he completed them. Uh, but I don't see anything that just jumps out of you know this guy is super special. So uh, you know and. It's hard. There's not many Andrew Lux anymore. They say Peyton Mains. They just come out and you know this guy's going to be great. Nothing about Dwayne says, man, this guy is really, really special. But to me, it, it does look like he could be a you know a good NFL quarterback. So it, it, they've kind of painted him as a guy that would be able to execute an offense and do what he's asked to do, but not a whole lot more than that. And when I watched this same game, uh, his inability – to make any sort of play outside the pocket is it stands out. And, and you know, when I'm watching some of the best NFL quarterbacks, it's not just the uh, Deshaun Watson who's able to make plays outside the pocket. It's kind of almost all of the really good starters can do it. Even the older guys, uh, I wouldn't say Tom Brady gets outside the pocket much, but his ability to move within to avoid pressure and things like that. It seems to me like when things break down around Haskins, he doesn't really find the best ways to recover all the time, but if he has like a three or five step drop and has to just let it go and someone's open, that he can make those throws all day long. And I wonder about, Sage, the ceiling on a player like that as an NFL quarterback. Like if you go to the Giants and Pat Shermer's your offensive coordinator, maybe that works. But if you go to another team where you're asked to do a little more, maybe it doesn't. I mean, so are, are you kind of looking at him as somebody who could be greatly impacted by the situation? Well, I think all quarterbacks are, but yeah, he's, he's definitely one of those guys. And, you know, where a quarterback goes is much more important of, of when he goes, you know, where he goes is more important than when he goes. And, uh, you know, the right scheme, the right offensive coordinator, the right, uh, you know, O-line and defense, you know, what team is that going to be? And that's always the struggle when you know, the teams that are usually bad generally are looking for a quarterback and you know, so a lot of times a, a young guy ends up on a bad team with a bad defense and a battle line and maybe a brand new head coach or something and just trying to install the offense and so that is that would be the struggle uh, with him and it sounds like he's going to be one of the earlier quarterbacks drafted is that he'll probably end up on a, on a bad football team so yeah there's a couple times in that game where he even sort of took sacks that looked like where you know there was some pressure but he just sort of almost like you know ran into the sack mm-hmm. uh, where D-line was getting through and he didn't have that sort of that great presence to escape in some direction or just move around uh, and then he would you know take a sack or or whatever so but when the pocket's clean uh, when the when the you know the, the timing's right and the routes are open and everything is right you know he is as you said he's an accurate passer he does have a nice arm uh, and another by the way another little sort of slide against him I would say is that Urban Meyer offense is not NFL style at all. It's, you know, and a lot of quarterbacks have struggled from the Urban Meyer offense to the pro offense. I mean, Alex Smith, who, you know, does go back to Utah days, uh, but that offense is you know, in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of ways the same. Uh, you know, Alex Smith struggled first for a few years in the NFL and you know, over time got better and better and better. So he might be one of those guys like that might be t- might, might take a little time to transition to the NFL game. So I'm curious when you're watching the tape of these guys, uh, what you think you can know and what you can't know, because I, I see sometimes on draft write ups from, you know, just whatever draft analysts, 
that uh, this quarterback or that quarterback goes through his progressions or this guy mentally processes quickly. And sometimes I wonder about those things. Like, can we really watch off the tape and know if he's mentally processing quickly or not? Or, or, or how would you go about figuring that out? Well, I, I don't think you can do that very well by watching the TV copy of tape. When you watch the coach's copy, it's it's the sort of the bird's eye view. It's much higher. Then you also get the end zone view, so you can see how they maybe are you know working with the protections or seeing the field from sort of from really from their eyes. And so you can see a lot more from that style of tape. Uh, I, I think what's really big is actually just it's those interviews. They talk about it all the time, and I think with quarterbacks more than probably any other position. Those interviews at the whether it's the Senior Bowl or the Combine or when they fly in to work these guys out, those are uh, more important as anything because at that point, then they actually get to talk to them, ask them questions, and see you know how they process process information in real time. You have to put them on the chalkboard to talk about uh, what an NFL offense looks like and see if they can remember and uh, you know some of the things that the coach maybe just told them. And they also a lot of times will go back and. And, and look at that college tape that the players should know every fine detail and, and sort of quiz them and see, you know, what do they actually know uh, and how well can they talk me through what happened on this football play. And that's a lot of times where you can sort of tell if a guy can process, process information. Did uh, you used to watch the Gruden camps at all? Some, not a ton. I know people absolutely love them, uh, but I always felt like those things are more about John Gruden than they were about the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe that's true. The uh, the short form that they would run on TV, like on SportsCenter, that would be like a five minute cut up of it or three minute cut up of it. I, I didn't like that because it always kind of just grabbed the highlights of Gruden's most sort of funny moments or whatever. But when you watch the full 20, 30 minute episode, you really get to see how a player handled criticism from him because he would pull up tape of them struggling at different times and kind of rip into him a little with that Gruden way. And I loved watching how they reacted to that. You know, everybody was kind of different when it, when it came to that. And he would find things on tape that were amazing. Like he saw at one point where a running back looks back at Brock Osweiler and is sort of confused about what his blocking assignment was supposed to be. And then Gruden's asking Osweiler, like, why doesn't your guy know where he's supposed to be if you're the leader? You know, it's sort of like, an uncomfortable question and you know I, I don't know i thought that i got a lot out of it learning how to kind of think about quarterbacks a little bit and a little underneath the helmet sort of stuff so yeah Gr gruden sort of knows how to ask those tough questions sometimes and, and put that quarterback in a bind uh and you know, try to sort of you know make uh you know every issue with an offense you know sort of like the quarterback's responsibility because you know they're the quarterback uh, and he, listen, he does the same thing to his quarterbacks who are playing for him in the NFL. And that's why, why a lot of guys don't love playing for John Gruden. If you hmm. ask guys that played for him 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Gradkowski on our podcast told some great stories about John Gruden, um, maybe last, last year. So let's move on to Kyler Murray. He's the most intriguing. Every mock draft now has him at number one overall. And, Boy, we're going to find out if the Cardinals know how to smoke screen, right? Because everyone is convinced that they're going to trade Josh Rosen. They're going to roll with Kyler Murray. I still like Josh Rosen as a quarterback. Um, and I think if you're the Giants or someone like that, the Chargers, you should go for it. The Vikings. But um, Kyler Murray, tell me if he can overcome being a short guy. Well, it's not just short. It's being really small. 
And that's sort of my concern with him. You know, Russell, well, they, you know, the comparable is Russell Wilson and they're about the same height. I, I think Russell Wilson's probably an inch taller, but it, it looks like to me, Russell Wilson's about 20 pounds heavier. I mean, he's just super, super thick, lower body and upper body. And, and Kyler Murray's a, a smaller guy. And the NFL, you know, your best ability is your availability. And if you can't, if you're not playing because you're hurt and you're a small guy, uh, you're not really adding much value to the football team. And so, you know, also NFL stadiums uh, and a lot of NFL cities are not, you know, Norman, Oklahoma or uh, Lubbock, Texas or, you know, whatever. They're more like Ames, Iowa. You're playing outdoors in the cold uh, a lot of times in the wind. And you got to be a, a lot of times a strong quarterback to do that. And he does have a good arm. But I wouldn't say he has an absolute cannon. Obviously, he's an amazing athlete. He is sort of the opposite uh, of um, Dwayne Haskins in the sense that he is a playmaker. He is a guy that runs around uh, the pocket a lot. Again, another guy, when you watch him on film, holds the ball uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not in the Alabama game that you and I watched. We watched the semifinal uh, college football playoff game because, well, you can't hold the ball versus Alabama because they're gonna they'll destroy you if you right. – hold on to it for too long, but I called a game this past year versus Kansas state. And, you know, he had the ability to stand back there for like three, four, five, six hitches and just sort of like, you know, see who's open and really, really take your time. You just don't have that time almost ever in the NFL. So that's going to be a little bit of a, uh, I would say like a learning curve for him because when he had a legit NFL style pass rush in that semifinal game, uh, you know, he was harassed and he didn't play, Nearly as well in that game, his accuracy was off. He missed some guys that when he was open. Uh, as the game went on, he was throwing more and more balls sort of off his back feet, his back foot, uh, and, and his accuracy started to, to diminish. So uh, I, I think uh, that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury at, at, uh, at Arizona is, you know, he, listen, he played against them the last, this last year or whatever, or coached against them, and, and he understands, you know, just how, you know, valuable he is. And so I think that's, what everyone thinks that he is going to take him with the first pick and then, you know, figure out what to do with Josh Rosen. But there's a decent chance because this is that time of year. There's a decent chance that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they just want everybody to think that. So then, you know, John Gruden or the New York Giants or somebody, you know, give up two first round draft picks to move all, all the way up to that first pick to pick him. With Murray, the reason I, I wanted you to take a closer look at that Alabama game was because I liked his resilience in that game. Because They get down early, and you're right, he's getting popped, he's struggling, he's trying to get the ball out quicker, and it's not as accurate as it once was. But as the game goes along, and maybe part of this is Alabama playing with the lead, I'm not sure, but I, I thought that he showed resilience and some toughness there as the game went along. Like He didn't shrink and disappear as quarterbacks so often do against that Alabama defense. And, I mean, that also says a lot about how Trevor Lawrence ripped them up in the national championship game. But um, I was impressed by that. I kind of look for things like that, of how do you play against the absolute best of the best, and when you get down in a game, do you sort of shrink, or do you bring your team back? And I thought he did a really good job of bringing his team back in that one. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, they were down. It was a 21 nothing. Uh, and I think the first quarter, maybe it was the second quarter in that game. And, and he kept fighting and then they slowly did. They were coming back there and made, made it a little bit interesting in the second half. Uh, he kept taking a lot of hits and they had to throw the football and they didn't run it much in that football game, which, which was interesting to me. If you go back to the Oklahoma, the entire season, 
they had some good running backs and they'd like to run the mm-hmm. football. They didn't do any of that. Well, they probably knew they could because no one runs the ball in Nick Saban defenses in college football. So they put it all on sort of his plate to go out and win that football game. He had just won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, and yeah, he was harassed all over the place. And that was what, that was what was different for me watching that game. I should say rewatching it, uh, this morning compared to, you know, the games I saw during the season, uh, was that he just rarely missed open guys during the regular season. I mean, it was, his accuracy was incredible. It was mm-hmm. just, yeah. you know, a second, second base to first base, you know, right in the chest. It was just like super easy. You can flick the ball out there. Uh, he doesn't have a big windup, extremely quick release. And, uh, he rarely missed guys. And in that game, because of all that, all that pressure, he, he did miss some guys here and there, not terribly, but he definitely made some dangerous throws and he definitely made some, uh, throws he'd probably like to have back. But, you know, overall during the course of that entire season, he was pretty impressive, uh, was Kyler Murray. What do you look for when you're trying to figure out, uh, if a guy has good throwing mechanics that will kind of translate to the throws he needs to make in the NFL? Oh, well, that's, now you're getting into like, I don't know if I can describe that too well on a, on a radio show or a podcast, but I, I like to, when things, when guys don't have, um, sort of wasted movement, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to say it. One wasted movement in the sense that there's a part of the destroy motion that for some reason causes it to take a longer time, uh, than, you know, like a, like a Russell Wilson, a lot of guys, it has to be extremely quick and smooth. Uh, without any sort of hitching, it must be, I guess, fluid is a probably good way to say it. Another thing is the guys that, uh, what I always say can, can, uh, throw from a phone booth. You know, can they throw from like basically the, the spot they're standing on and not yeah. have to step into it? That is one thing Kirk Cousins does pretty dang well, uh, his ability to sort of stay on the, his right foot, his back foot and throw without having to come all the way forward. Uh, because usually it seems like at that time anymore with the NFL, these D linemen, if you come forward like that, you're running right into a, you know, a guard being pushed back or a, a defensive end pushing your left tackle back in your lap and you just don't have that space. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That, and, and cause I, you know, I don't know this anywhere close to how you do, but with Kyler Murray, he looked to me like a guy who has pretty sound mechanics and maybe it is the, the baseball player and him, if you're an infielder, getting rid of that ball quickly. Um, but, uh, being being quick in how you get it out is something that I always kind of look for because I remember the Tebow thing and how he would bring it down and have to bring it back up and then by the time that happens the rush is on you the defensive backs know where you're going with the football and uh, it just becomes very difficult to change it too I, I mean I've seen guys improve a little bit in this but I think once they've gotten to this level and thrown this many passes they probably are about who they're going to be. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, you, you sort of are who you are. Your throwing motion is hard to change. Your feet you can change a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's about follow-through type of stuff. Those are things that you can work on. But your actual natural throwing motion, if you're at this point in your life, you're 21, 22, 23 years old, and you're actually changing the throwing motion, good luck because mm-hmm. you start changing. It's like, you know, changing up the way you drive uh, in golf or something. You know, you, you got to go through another 10,000 reps now to get your accuracy back. So it's sort of too late in the game to actually throw the, uh, change the throwing motion. What, what I do love about, uh, Murray and the way he throws and, you know, that quick release, it's very fluid. 
but he can really put great touch uh, on balls, whether it's even sort of a swing pattern out wide where he has to sort of put it over a defensive end that's jumping up in the air or he'll sidearm, uh, sidearm it a couple, every once in a while. Uh, but he, you know, he's very, very natural and the ball comes out pretty dang well. It rarely wobbles and, uh, he's just a natural thrower. Did you ever have a QB guru? Were you one of those guys? When I, so this is, you know, 2001, they didn't have, you know, uh, this, that industry, uh, which is, you know, growing from high school all the way to the pros really wasn't available all that much. But what I had, uh, my agent had a player, uh, a young wide receiver named Brandon Stokely, oh, yeah. uh, as one of his clients and Brandon Stokely's dad, Nelson Stokely, uh, he was a, a former college offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach. Uh, and I worked out down in the New Orleans area and he was living at that time at, uh, I think he was living, I think he just retired from coaching at Louisiana Lafayette and he would drive over and, and, and sort of train me. We do all those drills that you're going to run at the combine. Uh, there was a couple of things that he was working on with my throwing motion and my footwork. And, uh, I probably worked with him, I don't know, eight or 10 times, uh, between, uh, the end of my NFL, my end of, end of my college season, basically January 1st and, and to the, uh, to the NFL Combine in late February. Yeah, it's interesting how that industry has gone uh, up and up and up. And I was reading Bruce Feldman's book, the um, I believe it's called The Making of a Quarterback, where he uh, writes a lot about the quarterback guru industry. And in some ways, that there are people who have helped a lot. And in other ways, there are ones where you wonder, like, is it really worth it? for the amount that people are paying for little Jimmy or Timmy, uh, you know, to have a quarterback guru in high school, if they're really not going to get a division one scholarship or they're, you know, not going to be a college or NFL quarterback or whatever else it's going to be. So it's, it's kind of a fascinating little segment of football. That's just grown. Um, if you want, we can move on to, unless you had something else on that. No, that's it. Okay. Drew Locke. Um, Big time throws is the way I'd look at this guy. Um, he will make some that are into tight windows and, and special plays. And he looks like a, a pretty good athlete to me and has some really good pro football focused numbers on his deep throws, um, which, which caught my eye. He was the fourth best in, uh, adjusted completion percentage on deep throws and one of the highest graded by pro football focus. And anytime that happens, I, I think with the NFL, you're going to, it's going to catch your eye. If somebody can drop it in from you know twenty yards down the field, uh, what do you see when you watch Drew Locke? Yeah, th- this kid's got a lot of talent, and, and he's a good athlete. Uh, he's not uh, just a pocket passer. I mean, he's not Kyler Murray by any means, but he is a kid that you can just sort of tell he's a very good athlete. He's got a very strong arm. Uh, he, uh, by the way, supposedly the Broncos really, really like him. I've sort of heard some some rumors and even though they have Joe Flacco that obviously they're still, you know, like a lot of teams like the New York giants, they're looking for a young quarterback still. So uh, that, that might be a place we should you know look out for as the draft gets closer, but yeah, he's athletic. Uh, he was a two sport athlete too. I, I, he was a baseball player as well. Uh, and he, and he can make plays on the, he can uh, make throws on the run. Uh, and that's what, you know, one thing you, 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 there's all these different sort of categories you want to look for. Uh, and in the games that I saw this year and the game that you and I were looking at together is, uh, yeah, he does throw the ball pretty well on the run too. So, you know, he missed, he misses throws here and there as well, but he is also a three-year starter, which I like more than a one-year starter, uh, like Dwayne, like, uh, Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, he played against SEC defenses and if, uh, the, the 
closest thing to NFL defenses in college football are SEC defenses. You know, you have guys, you know, like Nick Saban, who not just NFL talent, but also, you know, NFL style, you know, coverages and blitzes, uh, that are, you know, much more complex than, than some other, uh, I think some other schools, other conferences. And so he has seen a lot. Uh, and I, and I, so I do like that. I like guys who have experience. Uh, and yet, you know, they've, uh, you know, played fairly well through that experience on a team that, you know, probably didn't have as much talent as some of those other schools in the SEC. And that's what stands out in the Georgia game. Like clearly Georgia is the better team, but he's another one that showed some resilience and, and found a way on a lot of plays. And, you know, I, I've seen the criticisms of him that he can be very, uh, inconsistent at times where he can, um, you know, you got a short pass or something and he just throws it into the dirt or, you know, he starts to get on the move and, and gets inaccurate a little bit has have been some of the criticisms that I've read. But when I look at the pro football focused numbers for him, I don't really see that as much. And then you kind of add the arm talent and athleticism. Um, what, what did you think in terms of arm talent and how do you how do you kind of grade that? I mean, it's not just on how hard the guy could throw the ball, right? Well, yeah, the hard part is in, in you know, the game, in particular this game, we, we, you know, we watched this Georgia game, uh, is that when you play against a team that has a lot of uh, NFL defensive linemen on it, you generally see offenses uh, shorten the field. Yeah. They're not yeah. you know, unloading 50 yards down the field and saying, hey, quarterback, hang on to the football back in that pocket. And you saw it. Uh, in this game and, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, throws 10 yards, 15 yards, five yards, seven yards, sort of those, those mid range throws. They don't want to have him hold on to the football. So he does have the arm talent though. He's a very good athlete. He sort of checks a lot of those, you know, sort of, a lot of those boxes again. You know, he's some, in some ways he reminds me of Josh Allen. Uh, I guess, you know, he's a good athlete with a big arm, uh, you know, type of kid, but you, you know, I'm just really, really curious to see, uh, you know, how he transitions to the NFL game. He's one that if he goes to Denver and sits for a year behind Joe Flacco, I, I think that that's the great situation for him. He looks to me like somebody who, uh, would want to continue to develop the consistency in mechanics and sit for a year. And, and maybe that works for all, all of these guys, but he was the one that I thought of that the most. Um, well, by the way, and, and every guy we've talked to so far, and I think every guy we're, we're going to talk about today that, that we looked at, almost none of them did I see almost any snaps from under center. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. are all in shotgun all the time, uh, and the University of Missouri offense was no different. Yeah, and that's interesting that the NFL in general has changed with that, and I think Kirk Cousins wants to be under center more, but that's uh, going against the trend of the NFL where it is mostly shotgun. And uh, I think that probably helps with the transition where we've seen some of the younger players be able to step in right away and not take three or four years to uh, establish themselves as good quarterbacks. That's probably part of it. Um, what do you think about Will Greer? Because he is not being talked about a ton, but he has fantastic numbers uh, that he put up in a, and it is West Virginia. I know. Um, but in terms of also like his accuracy ratings by PFF and his grades and things like that, I mean, he looks like a guy that would be the one who drops a little bit for whatever reason into the second round, and then someone lands themselves a, a pretty darn good quarterback. And uh, especially going down the field, I thought he was really good. Uh, what did you yeah, see? Yeah, I, 
I, I like Will Greer, you know, as a big, I'm a big 12 guy, Iowa State, and, and obviously he's in the big 12 conference. And, and by the way, he had his hands down a worst game of the year last year against my Cyclones. I mean, I think they held him to about, I think they held West Virginia to about 150 yards of offense the entire game. It was a great defensive effort. But other than that, he, you know, he was throwing up, you know, 300 yards, it seemed like every single week. Uh, for the West Virginia Mountaineers, he sort of reminds me a little of Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, does that make it. sense to you yeah, when you watch no, him play? For sure. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got the uh, moxie. He's got sort of the swag. He's yep. got sort of like the guts to like sort of doesn't care and just sort of makes things happen. He, but he's that type of athlete too. Like he's not some great runner or anything, but he's good at like scrambling and, and getting out of the pocket and getting them out of situations. Uh, he doesn't have Baker's arm. That is a difference. I don't think yeah. he has as big an arm as Baker, but he has a good arm. And again, he's thrown a million for a million yards in college. Uh, he's made you know, made a lot of attempts. I do think uh, Dana Hogerson, his head coach or offensive coordinator, is a very good offensive mind. So I got to think when he comes to the NFL game, he's had you know good coaching. That's that's a big advantage. People don't really realize that, but the development of a quarterback. The guys that weren't coached great in college from a, you know, from a quarterback, uh, sort of NFL style standpoint, you know, they get to the NFL and this is like, and, and it's like, wow, this is, you know, com- all completely new protections and the route combinations and sort of the science of the game. But then you have the guys that had, you know, four good years or five good years of college coaching by maybe, uh, maybe a, a quarterback coach who played in the NFL or, or coaches that have a little bit more NFL experience. But they were that's like five years of, uh, 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 you know, of training that the NFL team will get for free, basically, when they come to their team. So I got to think Will Greer will have a lot of that because he was well coached in college. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I liked him. I, I, I really do like him. I think he's I don't know what is that. I don't know how good he's going to be in the NFL. But, you know, I really do love really like the way he plays. And, and you don't see that like paper trail on the ball when he throws it. That's for sure. Uh, but, you know, he does a lot of things that you see NFL quarterbacks doing, like he's running, you know, RPO type things where he has to make a quick decision and accurate throw. And there are times what I liked uh, in some of the tape that we watched against Tennessee, there are times when Tennessee gets penetration and he sees it coming and he, and he moves around and it, it doesn't seem to bother him. And he, he kind of, you know, he can make like a touch throw if he wants to, even if he's got a, a little bit of pressure in his face. And I noticed that uh, from the PFF stats, he was third best among the eligible quarterbacks against uh, the Blitz in terms of adjusted completion percentage. And I, I feel like that says something about how he is handling um, just pressure in general and, and processing what he's seeing there in the pocket. Yeah, he is. And, and Baker Mayfield's like that too. You know, like the, the pressure just doesn't bother him. And, and, uh, he's a, he is a playmaker. Uh, he likes to try to make plays. He likes to try to push the ball down the field. Uh, I think he's got good touch. In some ways, uh, he sort of reminds me of Case Keenum. I don't know if that's maybe okay. fair to get right. Not a big arm, but sort of a gunslinger and, and can and is pretty mo- mobile and, and can move around and, and sort of make things happen. So, you know, a lot of times the, you know, the NFL scouts, the coaches, you know, they're looking for that big arm. They're looking for all those things. And for me, I, again, I always go back to, our, it's not arm strength. It's I, I want accuracy and decision-making. And, and Will Greer is a pretty accurate quarterback. For the most part, he makes pretty good decisions. So I do like him as a prospect as maybe a steal in those middle rounds. Yeah, I like, uh, there were back-to-back plays 
on the, on the the tape that we watched where he run there's like a just a little quick slam but it's catch and throw and right on the money and then there's yards after catch which we see all the time in the NFL I mean like little slant drag concepts over and over and over in the NFL and then the very next play he throws it down the sideline puts a lot of air underneath the ball but he drops it right in the bucket for the receiver for a touchdown it's like those are some throws that you're going to have to make in the NFL. Usually the guy's not that wide open, but it was in the right spot for that wide receiver. And I, I guess it must be the arm strength or I'm not sure what, because um, all of his numbers match up and, and I like him a lot. Uh, so I, I don't think I would take him over Kyler Murray and probably not over Drew Locke. I might take him over Dwayne Haskins, but maybe that sounds crazy. But I like the fact that he, uh, he, he can... That- isn't that crazy though? And, and Haskins, a lot of people have is actually the best quarterback in the draft, even though Kyler Murray might be the, will probably be the first quarterback picked. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the rankings sort of have, uh, Haskins as the best quarterback. And, and my question, and another thing that I, when I'm analyzing quarterbacks is this is, do they make everybody around them better? Yeah. Uh, and like, like, did Dwayne Haskins make Ohio State? you know, a Rose Bowl championship team because he carried everybody. Uh, I would probably say no. I mean, I'm sure obviously he was a really good player and those types of things. And, uh, but you know, Ohio state was always going to be Ohio state. They're always going to be a team that either lost zero, one or two games last year, probably no matter who was playing quarterback, but will agree or take him off that West Virginia team. You know, I'm not sure how many games they're going to win. I, th- I think he's that valuable and he made other players around him better. And, and then we, which we sort of talked about that with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum a little bit. They sort of make the offensive line better uh, than they were because they would scramble a little bit and get them out of trouble. Yeah, that's what's attractive to me. His accuracy is right on with Haskins, but the fact that he can scramble and he doesn't seem to lose his head when things go a little bit wrong. And, and I, we saw the value of that for sure with those two quarterbacks. You mentioned Bridgewater and Keenum and how difficult it is if you're just going to be the guy who stays there in the pocket in today's NFL when you have edge rushers upon edge rushers upon edge rushers coming at you every week. I mean, look at the quality of competition, even for the interior defensive lineman that the Vikings face. Like, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to keep your eyes downfield and, and make accurate throws. And to see him do that week after week, and I don't think West Virginia had the best offensive line, I was I was really impressed by that. So, um, last guy for you, Daniel Jones, six foot five guy. Um, I heard an interview with him, really impressive, like really mature sounding, bright sounding guy. Um, but I'm not sure that there's the the higher end potential with Daniel Jones. He seems to me like he'll be in the NFL for 15 years or something get a get his chances to start but i'm not sure that he'll ever be like a starter when you watch his tape uh, and people some people have him as high as a, as a first rounder other people have him as a second third rounder uh but when you watch his tape man he is amazing uh, how much you can tell he was, he's been coached by somebody who's coached the Mannings. Uh, when he's in shotgun, he looks just like Peyton Manning to me. His feet are parallel. He doesn't have one in front of the other. The way he takes the snap, the way he sort of brings the ball up to his shoulder. Uh, he, and, and again, the, the game that we saw was against Clemson. Uh, I believe, and of course, Clemson, that great defensive line uh, with probably a couple first round picks uh, in, in that uh, along the defensive line, they were getting the ball out quick. They mm-hmm. rarely yep. threw the ball down the field in this game. You know, you're not going to have a receiver that's just a better athlete than a Clemson DB when you're coming from Duke. And so they were getting the ball out extremely quick in this game. He had to make 
know, very quick decisions and be accurate. And he, again, he competed as well. We're talking about guys who compete against great competition yep. like Tyler Murray did uh, against Alabama. He really competed in this football game. And they, I mean, they didn't have close to the, the talent uh, that, that Clemson had. And I liked the way he played. He didn't make all the throws and he didn't overly impress me. He didn't have great athleticism, uh, but he does have a gunslinger mentality to him, I think. And again, as we we're talking before, this is one of those guys when he shows up, uh, he's going to have a very well-trained NFL mind, uh, which will give him a chance to have you know pretty decent success early, I would think. And I, I agree with what you said. I'm not sure if he's going to be a, a great starter, if he's just going to be a starter, if he's even just going to be a backup, whatever. But he seems like one of these guys that's going to have a 10 to 15 year NFL career. Yeah, and I agree that um, the the best part about him was his competitiveness. And there's a throw early on in the game where he gets smacked by somebody. I mean, just like these Clemson defensive linemen are all going to play in the NFL and he gets hammered and still gets the ball down the field. It's accurate. His receiver drops it, but it's a great throw. And to hang in like that and show that toughness, I can see why um, NFL teams would really like him. It's just what's really the ceiling for his raw skills. But uh, as far as if you're drafting someone a little bit down the board, if you're trying to project someone as maybe um, a backup or something like, you know, somebody who can fill in, I just don't see him as someone that you spend a first round pick on, but maybe a guy because of his makeup and his character could sort of overcome his draft status. You know, he like, I, I always look for those guys too. Of like, this guy's not going to be a high pick, but is he so smart or so athletic or so whatever it might be? that he ends up um, overachieving. And I think Jones could be one of those guys. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Cutliffe, the, his head coach there, he's the guy that, uh, you know, trains those Mannings. And so, you know, when, when he comes to whatever NFL team he ends up on, he's going to be, you know, smoothed out pretty well. You know, he's going to, uh, you know, be detailed and, and know how it is to prepare like a pro. He's going to have the knowledge. Uh, I think a lot of the knowledge of, of some of the NFL quarterbacks, you know, what intrigues me about, about him, it would be the new England Patriots. I can see the new England Patriots again, being one of those teams uh, to pick him up at the, with that, either that 32nd pick or even move down to like the mid second round and still pick him up. Cause that's the guy they want or something. Uh, Cause you know, of all the things that Bill Belichick, when he talks about with size and speed of just at his players in general, smart players, uh, he always talks about that's the most important thing I really look for. I got to have smart guys, yeah. in particular quarterback, and and that offense it's pretty dang complex with Tom Brady because he's been there for so long. Uh, here's the guy that could come in and probably learn it fairly quickly. And he is six five, and Tom Brady's six five, and he's a true pocket passer, and Tom Brady's a true pocket passer. I really do like the way he competes, and sort of like what I said about Will Greer earlier. I like guys that if you take. Uh, uh, um, if you take Daniel Jones off of the Duke roster, uh, you know, what do they win two, three games last year? Like they're not, they're not, they're, they're Duke football. They're not a great football team. They don't have tons of talent. He made everybody else on that, uh, team much better and, and ended up having a pretty decent season. So, uh, I do like him as a, you know, guy that could maybe, you know, be picked in the late in the first round or, uh, early in the second round. He is, uh, he's not, he's the opposite of raw. He's pretty refined. Uh, for a guy coming out of college. Yeah, this was, um, well, this was really informative and fun, Sage. Did you have fun grinding some tape? 
I was grinding the tape this morning. Uh, I have not uh, checked out the kid uh, uh, from Auburn. I, I saw him play a couple times last year. Uh, he's a guy that would be interesting to to look at somewhere down the line. That's Clayton Thorson from Northwestern is a guy that people are liking in the uh, in the middle rounds. There's a Tyree Jackson from Buffalo people like in the middle rounds. Uh, Ryan Finley from NC State and a Brett Rippin. Brett Rippin, yeah. How old are we? From Boise State, right. obviously. Isn't that Mark's Mark kid? Rippin's, Mark Rippin's son, yeah. Boise State on the blue turf. So, uh, you know, the, the, the quarterbacks are always the most fun thing to talk about in the draft. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they get chosen a lot higher uh, than they probably should have been chosen because, you know, so many teams are looking for that next quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, awesome, awesome insight. And I appreciate your time as always, Sage. And hopefully, you know, we can do another one where we look at some of those down the board quarterbacks because Tyree Jackson, that's my Buffalo guy, and his arm is unbelievable. So, all right, we'll uh, we'll leave it there and let you answer your phone. And uh, we <laughs> man, will... <laughs> but he's going off. <laughs> uh, all right, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. And thank you all for listening, as always, to the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.